following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So, as I said, Artisan's social justice team has uh, devised a beautiful liturgy for us today, and they're going to be leading us throughout the service, so I'm going to invite Melody to come up and kick us off with the uh, call to worship, and could I ask you to stand together if you're able during this moment in our service. In the midst of a world where people hunger and thirst, come worship a God who feeds the hungry. In the midst of a world where people are abused and oppressed, come worship a God who calls for compassion and justice. In the midst of a world filled with wars and rumors of war, come worship a God who desires peace for the world. In the midst of a world of confusion and isolation, Come worship a God who gives life meaning. Come worship a God whose grace and love know no end. Good morning. Now is our time for confession. If you would please join me in our confessional prayer. Eternal God, our Redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness, that we may choose your will and obey your commandments. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. We're going to continue with the congregational or community prayer. Um, And we're going to have a specific uh, focus on uh, things in our world that, um, for you, you would say, has broken your heart. Uh, things that you've seen locally, nationally, internationally, um, that for you in this season, in this time of year, you would say is weighing on you and you would want to invite community prayer in. And in that same way, it is a time to also pray um, for things that we have seen uh, that have been beautiful works of humanity and the Holy Spirit locally, nationally and internationally. This is a a time of the year that um, we practice through Advent, living into this waiting, living into waiting for a time where we will be fulfilled. And we know as Christians that until we are with Christ and until Christ returns, we will never experience, this world will never experience fulfillment. And so this Advent time is a way that we actually get to practice a type of vigilance in waiting, paying attention to both um, joy and sorrow. And in paying attention in this way, I think it allows us to connect to... um, Sorrow that we see uh, everywhere, <clears throat> and joy that we see everywhere. And so, um, 
Why don't we spend some time together praying as a community for these things of justice, injustice that you have seen, um, that you find weighing on you, or things that you find that you're celebrating. For um, all of the generosity of giving um, for need, um, we had eight extra gifts, and um, those eight gifts were brought to Sojourner House, and there were eight children there that needed um, that were able we were able to give to. So, um, for both generosity and providence, we uh, give thanks to the Lord. Yes, for um, the destruction of Hurricane Maria, for the continued after effects of um, people's living conditions and for their health, uh, we pray to the Lord. For the ban um, of words that the CDC and other um, national organizations cannot be, and government organizations are not allowed to be using, that will actually result in uh, marginalizing certain groups of people. And for the fear um, and pain that that induces, we pray to the Lord. For simplicity and beauty and the innocence of children in a time that is both chaotic and crazy and and as we work hard to slow down and celebrate um, for simple joys of nature and snow, we give thanks to the Lord. For people in our community um, who are and especially during this season, are um, lacking in basic resources and in community, in warmth, in food, in people to surround them with and celebrate with, uh, we pray to the Lord. So for the people, um, for the Rahita people in Myanmar and Bangladesh, um, for people that be, are being forced um, out of their countries for refugees that are being tortured and excluded, uh, we uh, pray to the Lord. For children in our community who don't have basic needs met, um, who may be hungry, um, whose clothes are dirty or um, uh, may not um, be um, being taken care of, and also for our understanding of ways to help in ways that don't hurt and how to tell our children um, and practice um, offering um, both effective and helping hands to those children and families, we pray to the Lord. Know that you can also, um, if you have further prayer, or prayers that um, are unsaid and silent now. There are cards on the back of your chair that you can fill in, and we have a prayer team that will um, read those, and uh, you can put them in the box in the uh, back of the room. 
prayer team will read those and be praying about those. And then there's a member of the prayer team in the back of the room that can also um, pray uh, for things that you both celebrate and that weigh on your heart. So last week's Advent sermon was about how we are called to be people of peace. And I thought we would spend a little bit of time reflecting on how do we do that. And I think there's lots of answers to that question. But one answer that the social justice team would like to um, invite you to consider during this liturgy, during this sermon, is that how we pursue peace can sometimes be through the paradox of lament and hope. And that is what we're going to be spending our sermon time slot today thinking through and reflecting on together as we move through the passages in the lectionary for this week. I think that sometimes for me and maybe for all of us, we can sometimes be tempted to think that working towards peace or trying to find peace is by ignoring what's happening around us, by trying to minimize how much we engage with the world of suffering and pain. But I think scripture offers us tools for how we can approach pursuing peace and searching for hope through engaging with suffering, through leaning into the pain of others and the pain of the world around us. And I think one way we can do that is by lamenting the pain that we see in the world and the pain that we experience in our own lives. And paradoxically, that is a way that we can find hope in anchoring our hope in a God who cares about that pain and that suffering. So for our time together over the next minutes, we will be reading the four different lectionary passages and reflecting in various ways about what they mean for us as we seek to be people of peace. And to start us off, I want to invite you to consider this question posed by Christina Cleveland, who is a social psychologist and a public theologian. She asks, what would it look like for us to intentionally turn toward the very pain that we so often avoid, intentionally seeking out evidence that God is present, active, and bringing hope? Because in the end, we must ask ourselves, how can we see hope and God in the midst of devastating systemic pain if our whole lives are about escaping the reality of such pain. Turning our attention towards systemic pain is not something we typically associate with spiritual nourishment and liberation. But what if it is? What if we can't truly experience the hope of the divine until we are able to experience the divine in the most hopeless situations? And Christina Cleveland reminds us that Advent is a really good time to consider these questions because, as she says, Advent isn't about our best world. It's about our worst world. Advent is an invitation to plunge into the deep, dark waters of our worst world, knowing that when we resurface for air, we will encounter the hopeful, hovering spirit of God. Advent, meaning the coming, is a time when we wait expectantly, Like Mary, we celebrate the coming of the Christ child, what God has already done. And we also wait in expectation of what God will yet do. But this is not a passive waiting. It's an active waiting. 
As an expectant mother knows, this waiting involves preparation, nutrition, care, prayer, work. And birth involves pain, blood, tears, joy, release, and community. It is called labor for a reason. Likewise, we are in a world pregnant with hope, and we live in the expectation of the coming of God's kingdom on earth. As we wait, we also work, we cry, we pray, we ache. We are the midwives of another world. We do the light a disservice when we underestimate the darkness. Jesus entered a world plagued not only by the darkness of individual pain and sin, but also by the darkness of systemic oppression. Jesus' people, the Hebrews, were a subjugated people, living as exiles in their own land. They were silenced and they were targets of brutality by the empire. For many, of the darkness of long-standing oppression had extinguished any hope for liberation. And it was into this worst world that the light in which we see light, Jesus, was born, liberating the people from the terror of darkness. So it is in the midst of our worst world that we too can most clearly see the light. For the light shines more brightly against a backdrop of true darkness. For when we dive into the depths of our worst world, we realize that we are not satiated in our longing for hope by false hope. Indeed, the true hope is found in the midst of darkness in God. And I think a way of diving into the depths of their worst world, as we just talked about and as Autumn mentioned in our prayer time together, is to lament the pain and suffering in the world, to acknowledge it, to see it, to reflect on it, to think about how we contribute to that suffering, both in our own lives and in the lives of other people, and then to invite God in, to invite God in to change our hearts, to change our minds, to change our systems, to... um, break into the ways in which our world um, is oppressive and unjust, to invite God to show us how to be the hands and feet um, of God to our communities and to our world, and then to find hope in that possibility. And as I said, I think that that is a way of pursuing peace, not ignoring it, but acknowledging, lamenting, and then anchoring our hope in who God has made us to be as friends and neighbors and citizens, um, and in anchoring our hope in God, who cares deeply about these issues. So as we do this, we pursue peace. And I'll um, finish this framing of our sermon time with a quote from Sarah Bessie that I found on the excellent platform of Instagram. Um, So Sarah Bessie is a writer, and she writes, I believe in creating peace, in disrupting for peace, in the truth that peace isn't always polite, and it certainly isn't status quo, and it isn't always cozy, and it will make people uncomfortable because they're used to benefiting from the lack of it. I believe peace is hard fought in the corners of our own hearts before it's demonstrated and enacted. I believe in a peaceful imagination that dares toward joy and hope. Peace is what God announced at the birth of God's self among us. Peace. Peace on earth. So we'll now reflect on the lectionary readings for today to uh, lament the pain and suffering in our world, to continue to find God's presence as a source of hope, 
and to continue to pursue peace. I'm going to start with the first lectionary passage, Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, and 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Mount Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up from the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my Lord. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robes of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what it has sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. We are going to now do a short art reflection and meditation. I'm waiting to see if the image is going to come up on the screen. There it is. Um, so I'll lead you through a short reflection and meditation um, that we've done sometimes here at Artisan. Um, this is a painting by Oswaldo Guayamison, and it's called Tenera, or Tenderness. Um, so first, I would like you to briefly just look at the image and create a mental description of the artwork. Note what you see. Look for recognizable forms and images. What types of lines, colors, shapes, and textures do you see? Now let's explore the visual structure and artist choices a little more deeply. How did the artist arrange the elements? What colors stand out to you? Why do you think that might be? What captures your attention? You can notice how your eyes move around the image. Where do you stop for longer periods of time? 
Where do you return to more frequently? Now, as we go a little further, we'll try to start making meaning out of the image. What story do you think the artist might be telling? What details help add to that meaning? Does the artwork express a mood or emotion? Does anything in this piece of art remind you of a personal experience? How does this artwork relate to what we have read and what's been said today? Do you see lament, hope, suffering, love, all of the above? Finally, we will reflect and pray. Based on your observations and interpretations, what stands out to you most? Why do you think this artist created this work? What are you left feeling and thinking? So as you take a moment to pray or reflect on these questions, thoughts, feelings, anything that may have come up for you, I'll close with a prayer as you continue to look at the image and sit with your feelings, thoughts. Oh God, open our eyes that we may see the needs of others. Open our ears that we may hear their cries. Open our hearts that we may feel their anguish and their joy. Let us not be afraid to defend the oppressed, the poor, the powerless, because of the anger and might of the powerful. Show us where love and hope and faith are needed, and use us to bring them and use us to bring them to those places. Open our ears and eyes and hearts and lives that we may, in these coming days, be able to do the work of justice and peace for you. Amen. So our second lectionary reading is from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Nijib. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. Um, and for part of the lament that I'm going to share, um, we took part of the um, book of laments that our greenhouses collectively created. And if you want to read some of that, there are copies out in the foyer after. Um, last spring, I think as a project, all of the greenhouses came together and each person um, if they wanted to, shared a line of lament, and then they were collaboratively put together 
um, and each greenhouse created their own prayer. So this was just one of them. Please hear me, O God. I want to know that you are listening. I want to know that you have not abandoned us. We give power to capital and and country. We turn away from the vulnerable among us. We are afraid. Yet I feel, I know that though every age has yelled these words at you, there are always those who say, God is good, especially those who, with gray hair and tottering step, say, God has been good to me. So I will hang on. Wake us up from this sleep of neglect. Turn our hearts from the cold iciness of anger and hatred. Bring humility, sweet humility, to the proud and arrogant. In our humility, in our love, with our eyes open to those around us, lift us like resurrected bones. Cover us in flesh again as Ezekiel prophesied. Let us be human, let us be whole. Let kindnesses roll from our tongues and justice from our hands. In you, God, can I breathe deeply. My heart is light when I rest in you. Our third lectionary passage is from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. So to reflect on that, I'm going to read some of the names of God found both in scripture and in writings of Christians over the centuries as a way to um, remind ourselves to anchor our hope in a God who cares for issues of justice and peace. If you feel comfortable, you can close your eyes as I read these names. God, who brought your people out of slavery and exile. Prince of Peace. Light in a dark world. One who gives voice to the voiceless. Hope of all generations. God of justice, God of just love, God of the poor and excluded, defender of widows and orphans, provider, one who hears your people's cries, God of the oppressed, God who desires the flourishing of all, Freeing God, liberator, deliverer, rescuing God, sustainer, potter, creator, 
our maker. Challenging God, one who blesses and disturbs us. God of love and anger. Suffering God, passionate God. God who raises up the humble and humbles the proud. God who feeds the hungry but sends the rich away empty. God who brings freedom for the captive and justice for the oppressed. God who blesses the persecuted. We now turn to our fourth and final lectionary passage found in John 1, 6 through 8 and 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, Who then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one who you do not know. The one who is coming after me, I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Now I'm going to read a prayer of lament, followed by a prayer of petition. We lament for a world that is not yet made right. We lament all the darkness as we wait for the light. Today we grieve hate, hunger, and apathy. We grieve racism, misogyny, and the oppression of indigenous peoples. Today we grieve ISIS, political polarization, and human trafficking. We grieve mental illness, the stigma associated with mental illness, immigration injustice, and violence. Today, we grieve the school-to-prison pipeline, spiritual abuse, and economic inequality. We grieve segregation, poverty, and police brutality. Today, we grieve global oppression of women, marginalization, and darkness. We grieve loneliness, the loss caused by cancer, and the lies told by depression. Today, we grieve the victims of hate and fear and greed. We grieve the hurtful systems that go unquestioned and those who follow those systems. Today, we grieve the evil 
and ignorance of our own hearts. We, gra- we grieve the way we have wounded ourselves, the earth, and the people around us. We lament for a world that is not yet made right. We lament all the darkness as we wait for the light. Now come, Lord Jesus, come. Bring hope, bring healing, bring unity, bring peace, bring life, bring mercy, bring understanding, bring relief, bring reconciliation, bring empowerment, bring sustainability, bring help. Bring movement, bring new life, bring spirit, bring truth, bring redemption, bring laughter, bring what we've been waiting for, bring light. Come as you have, Lord Jesus, and Lord Jesus, please come again. Amen. We now turn to our time of communion. Our communion table is open for anybody who is a follower of Jesus. You can come and dip the bread in the juice or the wine, whichever is most appropriate for you. Um, You do not have to go get your children at this time. That's going to continue through the rest of the the service. And as Mel comes... um, I'm going to read a prayer for our communion. Lord God, as we come to share the richness of your table, we cannot forget the rawness of the earth. We cannot take bread and forget those who are hungry. Your world is one world, and we are stewards of its nourishment. Lord, put our fullness at the service of the poor. We cannot take wine and forget those who are thirsty. The ground and the rootless, the earth and its weary people cry out for justice. Lord, put our fullness at the service of the empty. We cannot hear your words of peace and forget the world at war, or if not at war, then preparing for it. Show us quickly, Lord, how to turn weapons into welcome signs and the lust for power into desire for peace. We cannot celebrate the feast of your family and forget our divisions. We are one in spirit, but not in fact. History and hurt still dismember us. Lord, heal your church in every brokenness. Amen. Come to the table. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.